Greetings, church and friends of the church. Um, this is the next episode in a series of reflections about how we can more deeply understand ourselves and each other, um, how we can be reshaped together while we're in this wilderness place, this strange time. Um, we are not monopolized by going through the motions that are habitual and normative, uh, because life isn't like it used to be, and it's not to a new normal yet. We're still stuck in between. While we're here, we can have an imagination for how life can be better and different in that new normal, in that future that is before us. So in this series, we've reflected on you know the posture that we can take during this time, the assumptions that we make, natural tendencies and temptations that have evolved within every human being that we need to be aware of, um, and the need for a spirituality that counteracts these physical forces that are so self-destructive. And we've started to name and consider some of the isms that plague us, that, uh, that are incarnations of these destructive physical tendencies within us all. In this episode, we name the dangers of colonialism, which can organically emerge as an expression of this dangerous mix of antagonism, dogmatism, cultism, politicism, exceptionalism, all of which we've considered in previous episodes. A colony is the extension or expansion of one group or tribe traditionally contained to a particular space out into a different space um, by exercising authority over and against another group. It's the imposition of control, the imposition of laws, expectations, norms, and culture upon another. It comes with the exploitation of the other and or the resources of the other for the sake of those who are uh, imposing the control. Um, that dogmatism, cultism, politicism, exceptionalism, we've previously considered um, too easily justify the impulses of colonialism. We cling to skewed religious and political dogma rather than staying true to the core of our religious or political ideologies. We are more loyal to cultish leaders in religion and politics rather than to the founders who spoke the core of our views into being. We respond to people and circumstances through the lens of politicism, seeking to manipulate circumstances for the sake of our tribe to retain as much power as possible. And we tend to think that we, we are exceptional, better than the other, and that they need us to impose our ways upon them to save them from themselves. And so therefore we feel justified. We can see colonialism acted out on the largest scale geopolitically as um, certain geographic areas, if not whole nations, uh, come under the political control of a different nation and is occupied by settlers from that territory. Now, in the Judeo-Christian scriptures, there are stories of the Babylonian and Assyrian empires wreaking havoc on Israel and the other nation states with an emperor-centric dogmatism, cultism, politicism, a national exceptionalism, um, with these empires moving into uh, other nations with aggression to occupy, to exile, to settle, to claim ownership over natural resources and key logistical pieces like ports, destroying local buildings, uh, exiling local leaders who inspired uh, a sense of self among that nation, a, a dogmatism and politicism within those, the occupied peoples, so that the religion and the culture of the empire was more easily imposed. 
There are stories from the era of Jesus in the Greek scriptures about the Roman Empire who used that same colonialism playbook to extend and expand. In our own history, as the United States of America, we cannot deny that we are, as a nation today, because of the movement of European colonialism that sought to extend and expand the reaches of the European states. There's um, a historian from Caltech named Philip Hoffman who calculated that by 1800, uh, before the Industrial Revolution, the Europeans controlled 35% of the globe through colonialism. Not only included the British colonies that became our nation after the revolution, but colonies held by Spain, Portugal, France, the Netherlands, Russia, from the northern parts of Canada down to the southern tip of South America, and to the reaches uh, of the other side of the world, like Australia and New Zealand. By 1914, says Hoffman, Europeans through colonialism had gained control of 84% of the globe. Now, as part of this movement of European colonialism, there was both Catholic and Protestant dogma that condoned and justified that expansion. There, there were papal decrees and other dogma coming out of Rome that labeled indigenous people or people as heathens, as lesser beings, and mandated that they be subjugated, enslaved, uh, and converted, and if not, exterminated. There, uh, there was Protestant dogma preached out from Protestant pulpits that it was our manifest destiny as God's chosen and exceptional people to expand our American Christian culture and authority from coast to coast. With that came fear of the indigenous that was stoked and nurtured by both religious and political leaders in these cultish ways. And our fight and negativity and tribalistic tendencies as citizens drove a violent antagonism against native peoples. The indigenous were killed, relegated to reservations, violently forced to assimilate, all the while more than 500 treaties between the U.S. and indigenous nations were broken by U.S. leadership. So this is historical fact that America exists as we know it today because of those impulses of European colonialism, with the land and its resources having been initially uh, initially colonized by the British and then further colonized from coast to coast by an expanding America with manifest destiny. Most modern scholars um, estimate that there were between 50 and 100 million indigenous peoples in the Americas before colonialism. And today there are only somewhere between three to five million. This, this drastic and striking reduction in the population of native persons happened because of the diseases introduced by Europeans, um, intentional violence and extermination, forced sterilizations of indigenous women, the, uh, the destruction of the bison on which the indigenous people relied. Um, the population of bison went from more than 300 million in America in the 1500s to only 300 in the late 1800s. Not, not 300 million or 1,000, just 300. And also um, by the relegation of the indigenous persons to inerable lands that could not support them in a, uh, and their life. So fear of that indigenous was stoked as both political and religious leaders labeled them as savage and awakened these tendencies to fight, to assume the worst, to rally together against the indigenous. Americans fell to the temptations to think of themselves as exceptional and better 
to seek power and authority over and against, and to adopt a God understanding that justified their aggression. Indigenous persons were essentially forced, either explicitly or more subtly through the imposition of culture, religion, and norms to assimilate to the culture of those acting out on uh, their colonialism. And if they didn't assimilate, they, they died. Our own denomination that I serve, the church, I, the church building I sit in now, part of the Presbyterian Church USA, our own denomination joined countless other religious and civil organizations in forcing indigenous persons violently into assimilation schools. Only recently, in the past few years, has our denomination apologized for those violent acts of colonialism. This is our history as a nation. There was dogmatism, cultism, politicism, exceptionalism. There was antagonism fueling them all. Ours is a story of both freedom that we celebrate as Americans uh, as being central to our ideals, but also harm and oppression afflicted upon um, others in unjust ways because of colonialism. It's, that is simply our story, and it's, it's not abusive or wrong to tell the truth. There are similar hard stories for Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and so many others. And when we acknowledge our history, we need not feel guilt or shame for this was not the work of our generations, but we do need to acknowledge it and, we, and not whitewash that history by telling only stories that make our founders look blameless. It is not abusive to tell our children the truth. It's honesty, it's integrity. It's an act of love for our neighbors who have long been harmed, dismissed, ignored, and oppressed by us not teaching the truth. And, and, and most importantly, perhaps, it's, it's essential to our ability to move into the future uh, that God has for us as a human uh, creation. For we know that those who do not learn from their history are doomed to repeat it. And we cannot learn from our history if we hide it and if we hide the truth. If we hide it, we're doomed and, and we're doomed to repeat it all over again. And if we're honest, maybe we still see the impulses of colonialism alive and well today, not only in the stories of other places in the world, like these stories of Israel and Palestine, Russia and the Ukraine, Hong Kong, Tibet, the Kurdish regions, but also we see these impulses of colonialism alive and well still within us as Americans. Are there voices that are stoking the fear of the other within our midst? Fear of those who have a different skin color, religion, language, nation of origin, sexual orientation, or political affiliation and ideology. Are there God understandings and dogmatic systems that are condoning antagonism and exceptionalism? Is the level of the politicism of the people and of the power dynamics increasing? And is the level of cultism surrounding religious and political leaders increasing? Are there efforts to impose beliefs and culture on others who have different beliefs and culture? Is there violence against those who are not the dominant race or culture or religion or violence against those who seek to to protect the minority? Is there treatment against the other that falls into the category of doing to the other what we would not want to uh, or accept being done to us? Are there circumstances where we are acting with privilege as though there are different rules for us and hypocrisy is a label that does not apply? Are there efforts to cut others off from life-sustaining resources? Are there efforts to sterilize the population? Are there cries for those who are different or other to either assimilate to our culture, our norms, our expectations, or else be forcibly removed? 
are their efforts to hide the truth of our history of colonialism or to slander those who tell the truth and thereby enable it to continue. If we're really honest, we confess that colonialism impulses are still very much alive within us. Can we confess how easy it is to assume that what the other, the indigenous other, the immigrant other, the black, the queer, the female, the, the, the other of a, of a political party that's other, what they need to do, how easy is it to assume that what they need to do is to know their place within our culture and our norms and our expectations and either assimilate to that place where they are like us or to go back to their own place or their own culture or their own norms? Do we feel those impulses of colonialism that the indigenous should assimilate or go back to the reservations, that the immigrant should assimilate or go back to their own country, that the black should assimilate or go back to the black neighborhoods, or that the queer should be straight or just go back into the closet, or that the female should assimilate and go back to the kitchen and the kids? Do we feel exceptional? Or as though we are the righteous ones, the right ones, gifted, blessed by God with righteousness and the call to help or force others to be righteous like us, as though we have the beliefs, the rules, the norms, the culture, the political ideologies that all others should adopt or to which they should assimilate, and that we have to resist their efforts to make room within our culture for them and their ways. We have to refuse to uh, collaborate, to learn anything from them, to compromise, because we assume that their ways are dangerous or threatening, radical or enemy. And we fail to see them as fellow sibling or fellow citizen. How are we feeling when we're faced with difference or when we realize that we're in a relationship with someone we label as other? Do we feel fearful? Is there something in us that just wants them to be like us or to go away so that we don't have to be afraid anymore? Or is there somewhere deep within us a feeling of kinship, a feeling that although we're different in certain ways, our lives are of equal value? And that there's much, much, much that we could do to educate and help and sustain and learn from one another in our life together. Our fear and these temptations to self-focus make it so much easier for us emotionally and psychologically to accept the lie that we are the standard and that everyone else is supposed to live, look, think, and believe like us. It's so much easier to fight, to make negative assumptions about to label, to tribalize with antagonism against those who are other, than it is to accept the truth that we are not the standard, that there is no standard, that there is no divine mandate upon us to expand ourselves in order to make everyone just like us. It's easier emotionally to accept the lie that we are justified in seeking to protect ourselves by overtaking the resources of others for our own sake or by forcing them to assimilate or leave or die than to accept the truth that the violence and the coercion of our colonialism are unjust and unnecessarily harmful. This tendency toward colonialism, sorry, this tendency toward colonialism is part of the legacy of our evolution. It's, it's on display in so much of our religious, geopolitical, and social history, which is exactly why we need a different voice telling us about how we relate to those who are other, I've argued in this series that we need a spiritual voice, a voice telling us uh, something different about ourselves than what our animalistic tendencies and temptations tell us when they are compelling us to be colonialist, to take over, to exile, to exterminate, ex 
assimilate, to subjugate, to hold the other as less than or enemy, radical or savage, and to hold the self as good and right and exceptional. I find this spiritual voice in the tradition of Christian spirituality, but as we acknowledge in the series, that voice of golden rule spirituality is nearly universal across religious traditions, with these voices saying in concert that we don't treat people differently or as less than us, but treat all others the way that we would want to be treated. The narratives of Abraham and his descendants in the Hebrew scriptures tell us the stories of a people who are not primarily interested in the expansion of their own nation state through colonialism. Instead, the Israelites understood themselves as blessed in order to be a blessing unto the nations and tribes of the world. They were not to bring all other nations under their control, but they were to bless and open all the nations of the world to the goodness of being siblings in the human community together. They sought to peacefully enter into relationships with nations and tribes and through their help and instructions to help those nations to be the very best versions of themselves. The prophets of Israel only rebuked the leaders and the people when they lost sight of this identity and calling and when faced with difference, gave in to those tendencies and temptations, adopting postures of antagonism against other nations and tribes, seeking to expand their reach with colonialism. This is Isaiah saying, no, 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 be the repairer of the breach. Be the restorer of all the streets in all the nations. This is Jeremiah saying, no, 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 set down your antagonism and seek the welfare of the nations to which I've sent you, for in their well-being you will find your own. When faced with difference, Jesus never acted on the impulses of colonialism to label, judge, condemn, exile, conquer, assimilate. When he was face to face with the Samaritan woman, he refused to accept those impulses that told him that Samaritans were uh, lesser beings, an inferior race, inferior religion. When, when the Samaritan woman asked him why he didn't act that way, given the traditional religious and racial antagonism between the groups, he affirmed that soon the, the two would worship together in spirit and truth. He didn't just tolerate her as a superior tolerates an inferior, but fully embraced her otherness while also proclaiming a view of the world in which they were not differentiated, but together in the absence of antagonism. When face to face with the disease, the mentally ill, Greek, Roman, every person of every swath of humanity, it was always the same vision from him of people belonging together. When Christianity grew out from Jesus and his handful of followers to include Thousands and thousands of adherents through the first few centuries after his life, it, it wasn't because it sought to violently and self-righteously expand itself or to force upon others with an assimilate or convert or else mentality. Christianity grew in scope and reputation because of its insistence on caring for the needs of the poor and the hungry of every na nation and race and creed. It was a movement that said, this is our vision of what a good world looks like with us together. What Jesus called the kingdom on earth. And all are welcome to join us in our movement toward that better world. It wasn't until it became a dogmatic and politicized pawn of Constantine in the fourth century that Christianity got mixed up in colonialism. And it's in this more pure and unspoiled and early form uh, where we see that Christianity really... Um, has a view of the human community where its adherents 
are known not for their ability to force cultural and religious assimilation, but are known for the unconditional love of neighbor, regardless of color or creed or culture. Colonialism and the religious and geopolitical realms of human history were not and are not our good and divine destiny, but a tragic and deadly departure from the core. Its forces and expressions have gotten us very lost spiritually and physically to the point where we struggle to even believe there's a peaceful way out there somewhere for us all. But we acknowledge that our future will never be found then in trying to double down on our impulses of colonialism and by denying the realities of our own history in ways that make us forgetful, forgetful enough to fail in this way all over again. Our future will not be found in expanding our culture by forcing it on all those who must assimilate or assent, nor will it be found in our efforts to quiet, kill, sterilize, deport, seek political domination over those who have a different culture, color, creed, or set of beliefs. There is difference in the world. There always has been, and there always will be. And however we understand the divine, at the end of the day, we have to admit that difference is not in spite of the creator's intentions, but intrinsically and beautifully a very good part of it. And so how will we respond to the reality of difference? Will we continue to imagine a future world in which we finally made a society um, in the racial, social, political, religious layers completely in in our image by the forced assimilation or exile of all others? Will we continue to lean into those fearful, negative, tribalistic, antagonistic, violent impulses of colonialism? Will we continue to label and to seek to silence and subjugate the people who are of a different color, creed, orientation, or political ideology, even though they're already part of us? For a house divided cannot stand, and a people who seek to colonize within itself will rot from the inside out. So can we develop a new imagination? Can we imagine a future in which it's not a zero-sum game for uh, those whose culture will be preserved and all others will be squashed? Always trying to change or remove the other rather than being blessed by and learning from them. Can we imagine a world in which we not only tolerate but, but fully embrace one another, belonging together in difference, worshiping together in spirit and truth? doing unto each other what we would have done to us. The golden rule is not some radical, nefarious plan to destroy a culture, but the spiritual key to a life of true freedom and peace for all together. And so let us not seek to colonize our neighbor or to expel them, but let us seek to love our neighbor instead. Stay home, stay safe. If you go out, wear a mask. Be well, all of you, and peace to all.